ideal child's world should consist of happiness and security, good health, a solid education, and lots of exercise, as well as teaching of moral and spiritual values. But that's not exactly what we're seeing in this day and age. The average American child is actually now raised in a society that does everything to take away these virtues. In fact, the attack on our children begins actually when they're in the womb. I mean, if you survive the womb and are not aborted, then the onslaught thereafter seems to continue without ceasing. The enemy of any nation knows that if a generation of youth can be targeted effectively and destroyed, then so can a nation. And that's what we need to really be aware of. You're listening to Unity Without Compromise. This is your host, Dr. Steve LaTulip. And today I have a very special guest joining me to actually help empower you to protect your children. That is critical in this day and age. You see, if we can unite ourselves armed with the truth, and if we're committed to upholding a righteous standard, then we can truly win this battle against those who are doing all that they can to destroy our children. And that is just not acceptable. And so, With this goal in mind, I'd like to introduce you to a guest today who really has been fighting this war her whole career as a committed and caring pediatrician. Her name is Dr. Angie Farella. She has been in medical practice for 25 years, and she has worked in a private clinic in Texas for the majority of those years. Dr. Angie actually has been instrumental in founding the Freedom Doctors Alliance, and she is an absolute warrior for defending children's health, both uh, physical and mental, and I'd like to welcome her to the show. Dr. Farella, I welcome you, and I thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me, Steve. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. You know, the ways in which our kids are being attacked and damaged is so complex. I mean, it's coming from every angle you can imagine, and it's hard to know where to begin. I'm actually glad that my children are all raised in adults now, but I have grandchildren now. And you know what? The fears are rising again about the onslaught against them. Uh, And that makes it hard. Many children don't even have a chance. And if they survive the genocide of the womb, then they are totally dependent upon the stability and wisdom of their parents for protection. But let's face it, there are a lot of good, responsible parents out there who are doing everything they can to shield their kids from harm. But at the same time, there's also a lot of messed up parents who haven't a clue about parenting. And I know you've seen a lot of this. Dr. Farella, if parents are actually following the lead of the government, who now insists that the government has first dibs on raising your children, these kids are in serious trouble. So, Dr. Farella, with all of your experience as a pediatrician, what do you actually believe is the number one cause of harm to children these days? Jeez, the number one cause? Um... So the number, you know, the problem is it's so multifactorial, right? Because honestly, I think there's a lot of parents that, as you say, aren't making good decisions, but I don't know if that's 100% their fault. 
um, because the coercion is so thick. It's so real. I mean, we know from our own colleagues, like we don't understand why they're thinking the way they're thinking. So if you kind of put it together with that, and then you talk about how so many kids are in public schools and what public school systems are doing and their indoctrination. I mean, this is not something that's happened overnight in the last two years. It's come to the light, I think, in great measure over the last two years. But this has been going on for over 60 years. Um, and it's just people like us that have kind of become awake over the last two and a half years that have really, it's come to conscious. Like we, we knew things were happening. We may not have been so forthright in it in confronting it. Um, or we were confronting it on our own in our own way. Like in, you know, in the four walls of my practice, I do my best to educate all my parents from the get-go on how to feed our children so that they're not um, unduly influenced by poor choices when they get older, you know, so we can avoid things like obesity in childhood and, you know, all these weird diseases that never used to exist in childhood until, you know, we became more and more developed and more and more dependent on processed foods and, you know, prosperity has its problems, right? Um, because in America, we all work, you know, parents work. So I kind of, I can kind of see where that's leading them. However, you know, we have big industries also influencing them. I mean, turn on the television, they're being bombarded. They can't even relax at night because the commercials are just bombarding them with all kinds of messages. And if they're not, you know, discerning and looking through it, I can see where the children and the parents are both kind of being blindsided. Um, you know, so media is probably our number one problem, honestly, you know, the kids all have phones by the time they're about 10 years old. Um, you know, these things are so powerful. I think parents underestimate what a phone can do to a child. They have the entire world at their fingertips in microseconds, literally. And so, and that's good, bad, and otherwise. Okay. So I just feel like number one, we have to get the kids away from what I call digital dementia. Um, too many parents, this happened the other day, I was in the store, child starts screaming, the kid's about two and a half years old, mom whips out her phone, turns on a, a show, boom, the kid quiets down. So they've already been trained like Pavlov's dogs, that the phone is their comfort mechanism. You know, whereas in years past, like when I was a kid growing up, mom gave us the evil eye. If we were acting up, we shut up or else we were in big trouble. You know, I mean, like this is just kind of how the world is now. Um, Absolutely. Well, so listen, I gotta, can terrible. I say this? Let me say this. I am impressed that you were actually able to come up with a number one problem. And uh -huh. um, because what you said is very true. This is multifactorial. Uh, they are attacking our kids from every angle. But I would tend to agree that media being the number one problem is is very true. I mean, I, I've known in my own medical practice so many uh, parents who, like you said, they, they'll use a cell phone in games uh, or the television at home as the babysitter for the kid. And the influence has just become more and more negative. It is all a bunch of propaganda. And of course, in the current situation that we face ourselves in, and I call it literally a coup against America, propaganda is the number one enemy and it is destroying us. And certainly it is destroying our children. So that's really concerning. Um, let me ask you another question. You know, a lot of parents still think after all that's been said and done, and I know a lot of people are waking up, but a lot of parents still think that vaccinating kids 
is still a great idea, including giving them the COVID-19 shot. Now, I know you are not an anti-vaxxer, and we want to make that clear to the world, of course, but what are you now seeing in your medical practice with regard to vaccine injuries and specifically with the COVID jab? Yeah, I mean, I, like I tell people this all the time. I've given probably over 10,000 vaccines in my career, well over that, I'm sure, in 25 years. Um, most of my clinic is, you know, vaccinated against the childhood immunization um, schedule, you know, vaccinated with that immunization schedule that's in place um, without any problems. I mean, honestly, we've had no vax injury other than small local, you know, a bump on the leg, redness on the leg, maybe a little fever. That's it. I've not seen anything beyond that, honestly. Um, and maybe it's partly because, you know, so again, this might be a reason why. Number one is I've always used preservative free vaccines. Like we've never, I've never had anything but preservative free. So that might be one issue. The second one is I intensely um, question my families in regards to has there ever been problems in the family with vaccinations? Has there been any problems um, with the child in previous vaccination? So you know, I kind of pre-screen them to see right. where they're at. You um, actually give them an informed consent. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That thing, that whole. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so really, honestly, I mean, I kind of go through this whole thing every single time a kid comes in for vaccines. Those are my first questions is, you know, any problems with the past vaccines, any problems in the family, um, any hesitations or questions currently. So, you know, we go through what the vaccines are for and, you know, at, depending on what age it is, right? So, you know, in the last two years, I, and I said this from the beginning of when the COVID-19 vaccine investigational injection was introduced, that everything good about vaccines is going to be destroyed by this one, this one injection. And it has been. I mean, I've seen a drastic change, even in my parents who were fine with childhood vaccines. Now everyone has a question mark over their head, right? They're all questioning is this safe? Is this effective? You know, look what's going on. Everyone that I know that walks in my doors knows someone that's been affected adversely by a vaccine given for the COVID-19 pandemic. Every single person that walks in has a story. And so, you know, prior to 2020, when, you know, prior to 2021, whenever they started opening it up for, for the teenagers to get the vaccines um, for COVID, um, I really didn't have any problems. Everything was fine. You know, I did counsel people. I said, look, this is brand new. Um, kids are not very affected by COVID-19. They have a 99.997% survivability without adverse outcome. Why would you need to get a vaccine for your child if they themselves have no, no problems, no risk factors? So you know, I kind of counseled them like we don't do this to kids. We never give kids something that's just as brand new on the market. This is true with all vaccine, by the way. I didn't bring Bexero into my office for many, many years. I did not bring in, which is a meningitis vaccine. Um, I still don't have some vaccines in my practice. It took me, I think, seven or eight years to bring in the um, Gardasil. So again, didn't do it right away. Waited a couple of years. It wasn't a big deal. You know, I wanted to see the data. I wanted to see outcome studies. And, you know, so, so these are the things that, that I just, as a person, this is how I've always been. Any new medications that are on the market, anything that's new, um, especially in the vaccine realm, I'm going to wait, you know, it's just safer. If they're not at risk, what's the harm in waiting? And so we wait. Um, 
but now I have about nine kids, uh, teenagers, older kids, um, that have vaccine injury. And, and just recently in the last couple of weeks, I have a nine-year-old, um, that has been vaccine injured. So with, with the investigational injection known as the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, and so this is a big problem, you know, cause that's predominantly Pfizer. Um, and the only one that's, a, that can be given to kids under the emergency use authorization, cause it's still not FDA approved fully for children. Um, it's under EUA still, you know, and now my youngest patient is nine. And so now it's like shifting my realm where I never thought about vaccines being dangerous. I never thought about them being ineffectual. I never thought about this, you know, cause my safety in my own practice was phenomenal. Like we don't have problems with safety and efficacy here. I, you know, we haven't seen a case of chickenpox in over 15 years, but I've seen two in the last six months. So there's a problem, right? Now we're starting to see resurgence of disease that we haven't seen in a really long time. And some of that is going to get worse, I think, in the next two years because of all this that has been propagated because of the VAERS reports, which anyone can look up. This is not something that is, you know, so uh, clandestine to only doctors that can look up this information. I mean, it is public information. You know, it's easier to read on openvares.com. It shows every, all the pediatric data. You know, I checked it on Saturday. There's over 46,000 children that have been injured by this COVID-19 investigational injection. That's right. a lot of people. Right. And the data, you know, frankly, the data is, is very clearly showing that, of course, this was a gain of function research that produced both the virus and the vaccine. And the evidence is just pointing to it. I mean, people don't, it, people with half a brain can determine that bad things are happening to people that got this shot because, as you said, they're seeing it firsthand. But, um, but there are still those parents who just don't seem to be getting it for some reason, and I don't know why. But what advice do you actually offer parents who wish to vaccinate their kids with a COVID-19 shot? What do you tell them? Well, the first thing I do is I ask them why. Like, what is it that makes you feel that your child is at such high risk that they actually need an investigational vaccine? You know, that's the first question, because if you don't know the why, there's no reasoning with them, right? So you can't sure. just start throwing facts at them because they're not listening. That's not, you, you have to kind of affect the heart. Where, why do they feel that way? Um, and in so many cases, it's the, well, we live with my, you know, elderly grandparent or whatever, um, who's at high risk. And I don't want the kid to bring this home from school. And then I try to educate and tell them, you know, what the risk factors of transmit transmittability and I also educate them that you don't give a vaccine to somebody to protect someone else. You give a vaccine to protect that individual. So if that individual is not at risk, then you shouldn't be giving a vaccine for that child. So, you know, this is kind of the misconception and the media's um, manipulation because they, they all say it, you know, wear your mask to protect others, get your vaccine so that we all can be healthy. I mean, this is on billboards all over town here, especially, um, yes. you know, protect the ones you love, you know, get your vaccine. So this is a really bad propaganda stint. Um, and it's in everyone's face. So people that don't listen to the radio, maybe, or don't watch television, they're still getting bombarded with it. Just driving. Sure. Down the they're driving down the highway and that's what they see. Uh, you yeah. know, 
Another thing that I think a lot of people just don't realize is that uh, the people that are funding this, uh, Big Pharma, Bill Gates, uh, who, for example, gave a talk back in 2010 on the TED Talk show where he exposed his depopulation agenda, killing people through a vaccine plan. And, you know, quoting him, he said, if we do a really good job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive services, we can lower that by 10 to 15 percent. Now, do you think that is what we are actually seeing right now? Uh, unfortunately, yes. I mean, if we look at the open bears data again, I mean, it is just unbelievable. Um, it, it's unfathomable to see the injuries, which of course, you know, some of these injuries might be injuries today, but may lead to premature death tomorrow. Um, we're seeing this with very healthy international athletes, professional athletes. Um, you know, I, I just saw a mom today who had a heart attack. I mean, she just had a baby for crying out loud. I mean, this is ridiculous. Um, we're seeing untoward effects. People that aren't vaccinated are starting to, to, to see symptoms and things from other vaccinated people that are in close proximity. Um, you know, the shedding, what we call the shedding effect, right. Of the spike protein, because it's being manufactured. It's just shooting through people's skin. I mean, there's no, there's no turnoff valve. This was my whole thing about it was there's no off switch. And because there's no off switch and it uses your own DNA to produce a protein that's foreign to your body, oh, what could go wrong, right? I mean, this is, it just did not make any inherent sense. I am not a geneticist by any stretch of the imagination, but I took, we all took genetics as physicians. We all had to take that in, in med school. So this is not a hard leap to go, wow, this is probably not a good idea for us to integrate something into or around our DNA to produce something that's very foreign to our body that we know causes problems. I mean, this right. is not, I'm not, I'm not being revolutionary. I'm bringing out the data. The data is very clear that the spike protein is the whole problem with COVID and the COVID-19 inoculations, yes. right? It's the spike protein. That's the problem. Yes, so why that would, is the problem. Why is that a good idea? So right. the whole, the whole thing, it seems very sinister. And yeah, you know, unfortunately we, we probably, you and I probably are the same ilk, you know, we probably have heard that, you know, Bill Gates is not exactly the nicest person on the planet. We probably didn't give him too much time of day when it comes into the medical realm. You know, it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I started to notice, you know, that because the uh, Melinda and Bill Gates foundation is funding a lot of stuff that all of a sudden our science is getting tweaked. Um, you know, our science is not really science. It's more propaganda. And there's, you know, the, the discernment is really poor. I mean, a lot of people in our profession are just reading the headline, but not reading the actual study, not discerning through it. We've been taught to be very discernible and read these studies and tear them apart. I mean, that was what Journal Club was all about when I was in residency and, um, you know, this and, and beyond, you know, this is what we talk about, you know, banter, intellectual banter has been censored. Um, we are, we are, now shamed and, and shunned because we're asking questions like, well, what if? And questions like, do you, don't you think this is not such a good idea? And because we're actually questioning the narrative, we're the bad guy, which in the past, it was always like, well, you know, you're, it's just a different side of the coin, right? So absolutely. And you know what you said, biggest loss right now. Yeah. 
Yeah. When you when you talked about uh, viral shedding, you know, to my knowledge, I don't think there's been a study actually to confirm that. And, and how do you study something like that? It's a very hard thing to set up. But we are definitely seeing the evidence. And if spike protein shedding for, uh, actually does occur uh, secondary to getting the injection, then in effect, every person that is so-called vaccinated becomes themselves a bioweapon because they are harming others. And uh, even though there's no studies proving it, we see it happening practically every day. In fact, my daughter, who is an RN that works at the Mayo Clinic, um, became sick herself immediately uh, following the injection of the second round when they gave out the first uh, booster that everybody was forced to get. And, um, you know, so the evidence is really mounting. We're seeing a lot of that happening and we have to recognize it for what it is and call it what it is. And because I believe firmly they knew that this was going to happen before the uh, vaccine program was ever unleashed, I, I think that you could say that really it's not experimental. The only experiment is how many people would die from this because really what this is, it, it seems like a slow genocide that is happening. Now, what about uh, another issue? You know, we just recently saw that the masking of our children in schools was just recently stopped. Um, what kind of harmful effects from masking are you seeing since uh, we've had this illegal child abusive mandate lifted? Uh, are children going to recover from that or will there be lasting harm from the fact that they masked? Well, you know, I think part of it is... Um the short answer is yes. <laughs> yes, it has done some irreparable harms. Do I know if the kid, kids, luckily they bounce, you know, I, I always say well, kids are, kids are awesome because they bounce, you know, so kids are very resilient. Um, so there'll be recovery, but in some kids, there's not going to be much recovery. Some kids, it's going to be a really hard go. Um, my prediction is in the next two to five years, we're going to see a huge upswing of autism and autism like spectrum disorders. Um, are, we already have seen, I mean, in my own practice alone, cause I, I, and I'm in Texas. So we've been out of masks now for over a year. Um, and so, but even, even with that, there are some schools that are requiring the masks. Um, some of the teachers were still in masks up until a few months ago, which is ridiculous. Um, so we, you know, what we have done is especially for our most fragile kids, as far as the kids with developmental, de developmental delay, um, either, either speech delay, cognitive delay, um, those, even physical delay, those kids um, are at a severe disadvantage, um, be, especially if they are speech delayed, because if they can't see your mouth move, they don't know how to make the sounds and therefore how are they ever going to speak? And I've, I've heard numerous accounts of that within my own practice. Our child didn't speak um, because the whole school was in masks. And then once the mask came off, boom, the speech just blossomed. And so, you know, thankfully, you know, if the kid is malleable enough, um, that will happen. But in our speech delay, I mean, I'm sorry, in our hearing delayed kids, I'm really concerned about them. They lost at least two years of schooling. Um, those kids are at a severe disadvantage because they use lip reading as a way of communicating and understanding context so you can imagine the harms done by to kids that um, have hearing delay. The CDC just came out. This is obviously a, an issue because the CDC partnered with the American Academy of Pediatrics, which 
I can't believe that they okayed this. This is ridiculous. But so the milestones at two have now been moved to three. So what they're saying is that, that if your kid is doing two-year-old milestones at age three, now that's okay. That's a year delay. In pediatrics, three months is a severe delay. So what is 12 months? I mean, this is debilitating. We're going to have children that are just so far behind in the next two to five years. I mean, we already saw a study that showed babies born after 2020 have a 20 point decrease in, in intellectual quotient and IQ compared to those children born prior to 2020. This is very sad. I mean, we, this is like the epitome of dumbing down our society. This is exactly what's happening. It is sad. We've all, we're already behind competing company, you know, countries like China. I mean, our education system is in the toilet. Um, you know, we are as a country, as a whole, our administration's attacking parents, you know, the FBI might be coming after you if you speak out at a board meeting. I mean, this is the kind of nonsense that we have never heard of, especially in the United States of America. Right. And you know what? It's, I would not even call it nonsense. This is intentional harm. This is not crazy. This is intentional harm of our children. And they are just being bombarded by this. Um, I don't know if you heard, but recently the governor of Alabama, Governor Ivey, just signed into law a bill that was passed by the legislature that criminalizes gender affirming health care for transgender youths. So the law makes it a felony punishable by up to 10 years in prison to provide medical care, including hormone treatment, uh, puberty blockers, and surgery to induce physical changes that pander to the sexually confused, I would call them. Uh, You know, I personally commend Governor Ivey and the Alabama legislature for taking a stand like this. How much actually have you had to deal with this uh, transgenderism in your practice and all the sexual perversion that is attacking our kids? You know, this is a brand new realm, honestly. I mean, prior to five years ago, we'd never even heard of this. Um, this, this is a whole new, you know, it's kind of like, I keep telling people that medicine is pivoting, but we're pivoting so fast into new realms that, that we can't keep up. Um, I can tell you, um, many years ago, I was sitting in a, um, in a conference, a pediatric conference, and this came up about children that were aged, you know, five or six going into kindergarten. Um, I literally was physically ill. I got up and left. I couldn't, I couldn't hear the rest of the lecture. It was just awful to me. Um, children explore. That's what they do. That's how they learn. Right. It's not unusual for Sally to want to act like Sammy or Sammy to act like Shelly. You know what I mean? Like kids will do that. You know, boys will play with dolls every once in a while. Girls will play with trucks. Who cares? I mean, there is no, there's, there's nothing to say that a child can't have, um, a, a, um, non-gender assigned role, you know, to, to their play. That's fine. That's what they do. And, and then we're talking, when we talk about adolescents, especially, this is where it's really, um, kind of painful because the studies are showing that kids with this confusion, they're at higher risk for suicide. They're at higher risk for self-harm, you know, and this is also something that is, if you look at the, the psychology studies, um, what they show 
is that kids want to be like other kids. So depending on who their circle of friends are, that's kind of what they want to be like. Okay. And so this is almost like, and, and we all know this, you know, it's kind of like the fad thing, right? You know, kids will go through their black phase where they wear all black clothes and wear black makeup and dye their hair black. You know, this is common in kids and you just love them through it. And then they come out of it, you know, their dark thoughts and all that fun stuff. You just love them through it, support them, talk to them, try to keep an open door, you know, that whole thing. And teach them about peer pressure. Right. And, but because their friends are like that, right. So they want to be like their friends. It's the same thing with gender confusion or gender, gender identity issues. Um, I I just have a real deep, it's, it's such a confusing topic, honestly, um, I know parents are torn by it, but we, I, I have seen it in my practice. Um, and it's, it's a very, it tends to tear the family apart, which is a right, really right. sad. It's a, it's a very sensitive issue. And the, the truth is most doctors feel actually threatened if they actually follow the science saying, you know what, the X and the Y chromosome, the male and female chromosomes determine sex, not gender, sex. You're either a boy or a girl, like it or not. And most doctors uh, feel like they, they're at risk of even being sued if they so much is just state the science. And that is a very severe issue. And it's something that we have to contend with and deal with. And we have to find a way of overcoming our own fears. Well, um, I'd like to take a short break and then come right back and get on with this discussion and find out not only um, what exactly is, is killing and attacking our children, but what we can do about it. Don't go away. I'll be right back. In today's world, there's no escaping the headlines filled with warnings about emerging viruses and dangerous superbugs. Genesis is the only technology that safely and effectively obliterates harmful pathogens both on the air and on surfaces. Genesis plus HOCL neutralize these threats to your environment in just seconds. Find out more about this amazing technology at genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a 15% discount. With Genesis, you'll be prepared for what's next. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep can be infuriating. Your mind races. You toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's digital age makes it even harder. You're not alone with this struggle. Poor sleep affects over 70% of Americans. Even the Centers for Disease Control labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. To take back your sleep, Healthy Cell has created REM Sleep, the only sleep supplement made to support all four stages of human sleep with calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support delivered in a patent-pending, pill-free, ultra-absorption microgel formula that tastes great. Fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply, and wake up refreshed with Healthy Cell's REM Sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. People often ask me, Malcolm, how do we fight the corruption? Robert Frost has said it best, freedom lies in being bold. Well, for six incredible years, bold is America out loud. 
Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. If you're like me, you'd like life to return to some kind of normal. You're burned out on the precautions, but deep down, you still want to avoid getting sick. You've heard it talked about time and again by respected medical professionals. Use a povidone iodine antiviral nasal spray. Made in the USA, Cofix RX reduces viral loads and minimizes the risk of you getting sick. Find a retailer near you or click our banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Welcome back to Unity Without Compromise with Dr. Steve LaTulip and my wonderful guest, Dr. Angie Farella. This show does air on Saturday and Sunday at 12 and 5 p.m. Eastern Time. It then goes to podcast on Monday or Tuesday. And I also do write weekly articles for America Out Loud. You can go to americaoutloud.com, scroll down to our team and select Dr. Steve LaTulip. I've also written a book titled Unity Without Compromise, A Biblical Basis for Christian Union. I focus on rules of sound interpretation in that book and discuss some really tough subjects, such as transgenderism and things like that, that Christians often even argue about. But I try to show you how to get to God's truth, because that's where all unity comes from uh, for Christians and for patriots. We have a Christian standard in America And I like to advocate for that. Today, we have been discussing some of the biggest threats to your children's good health, both physical and mental and spiritual. Dr. Farella has presented her own insights from her pediatrics medical practice, and her words are very valuable. How can you, as a parent, protect your children from all these attacks on their bodies, their minds, and their morality? I mean, that's the question that we're trying to answer today. Let's face it. Raising kids in today's world takes a lot of guts. It really does. For parents, for doctors, for anybody on the right side. Never before have we lived in such a time when children, yes, your own children, are so boldly targeted for destruction as now. And who do you turn to for advice? Who can you really trust? Is there anybody? Well, I suppose that depends on what you believe and who you believe. Unfortunately, a lot of parents are believing the lies and the deception that we've been talking about, this propaganda war that is being pushed by every single government agency. And as we've seen with the pandemic response, Truth has actually become a very rare commodity, at least in the mainstream media. And those of us who are actually speaking the truth are being called misinformers. But propaganda is the main weapon being used in this war. And don't think for a second that they aren't using it against our youth in a huge way. Well, Dr. Farella, you have participated in a number of really good COVID uh, summits, uh, these conferences that talk about what's going on, the current state of affairs. What exactly is the takeaway message right now from these events? I mean, where are we going and what can we expect? Well, you know, if you're you're referring to things like the um, Global COVID Summit, um, you know, really we're starting to pivot because, you know, doctors are under attack that think like you and I. Um, 
they are trying to suppress intellectual banter. They are trying to suppress, um, you know, scrutiny of science. They are trying to monetize science, which they've done great. And now we have not such great science, you know? And so it's kind of up to us, unfortunately, those of us that have been in practice for over 20 years to kind of go through the fog, shine a light and, and really be the light for other Americans that either understand where we're coming from or see that there's something wrong or those that really don't understand um, enough. So they're kind of what I call the quasi people. They're sitting on the fence um, because there's going to be a group of people, about 30% of the population, we're not going to change their mind. They're, they're set. That's the way they're going to be. And unfortunately, I mean, this is what happened in 1938, right? The, the people that were on the fence just stayed quiet. The people Absolutely. that, you <laughs> right, the good German. I mean, this is the story of the good German. And, right. you know, unfortunately, I've been saying this for two years, that we're sitting at the gates of 1938 in Germany. Definitely. And, um, we, we are experiencing a second Holocaust of a whole different kind and of a greater magnitude. I could not agree more with that statement. Yeah, I just... I just really, um, I've, I've reiterated that same statement for years now, for the last two years, because, uh, you know, if you're not paying attention, this, there's a reason why they don't teach good history in the schools, because they don't want you to learn the history that is bound to repeat itself if you don't know about it, right? So most people don't even, most kids nowadays, they don't know what the Alamo is. And this is in Texas, which is really sad. Um, they don't understand World War II. They don't understand what brought on World War II. They don't understand any of those movements, you know, the brown shirts. What did they do? They went after the youth. What's happening now? They're going after the youth. The youth are strong. The youth are easily manipulated. The youth are easily taught and indoctrinated. So that's where they're going. And unfortunately, we've been seeing this in the military. Our young men and women in uniform are being forced, coerced, and you know, sadly, now they're being experimented on with this. And even though it's against the law, it's against the federal, you know, dictate. And unfortunately, here we have, we have a government for the people by the people that ignores the people. And what's happening is that they are ignoring and doing a dereliction of duty. All these agencies, the FDA, the CDC, the NIH, you name whatever ABC's, you know, right. agency you want. All the three-letter agencies. It's a dereliction of their duty. They know what they're supposed to do, and none of them are doing it. The very right. and, that, and that duty, yeah. Let's spell it out. That that dereliction of duty refers to uh, their duty to uphold the Constitution of the United States, and they are not just ignoring it, but they are defying it. They, you will never hear them speak the word constitution because they want you to forget about it. And, you know, that begins now at a very early age. You know, just recently, uh, the other day, I saw that there was a mother in Rhode Island. She was enrolling her daughter in kindergarten and she asked what her daughter would be learning. And you know what she experienced? She was bullied. She was stonewalled. And then get this, she was sued by the teacher's union. So as expected, this mother discovered her daughter would actually be indoctrinated into CRT, all kinds of sexual perversion, 
and socialist slash communist doctrine, all the things that destroy a child's mind. And this is a great concern for a lot of parents across the United States. Um, Dr. Frill, do you actually believe there is any way possible for a parent to protect their kids if those kids are attending a public school? Oh, yeah. Know what they're doing. I mean, talk to them every day, debrief them. I mean, our kids were homeschooled for eight years. They went to public school. We debrief them every day. I mean, we okay. ask them, what did but, you learn but today? Parent, but if the parents get involved, I mean, isn't this risky business these days for parents? Kids are being taught to actually keep secrets from their parents because totally. they don't want the parents getting involved. And then if they do, yeah, as you said, I think earlier, the FBI might be on their tail for being a parent. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly what happened in Germany, right? The kids were turning in their parents. Um, this is, this is, but, but your children are your children. So you you still have control. If you don't like what the public schools are doing, then pull them out and teach them yourselves. It's not that hard. I tell people this all the time. You know, I'm a full time pediatrician, and my husband and I taught our kids for eight years. Um, they, it, it's not that difficult to do. Um, it doesn't socially, you know, make them weird. It's, it's, it's you teaching them your, where you're standing, you know, and it's so important for your children to understand where they come from and to know just as a family, this is where we stand as a family. We are a unit, we are unified and we are not going to, we can have disagreements. That's fine, but we must have a conversation because we are the family and this is how we protect ourselves. We're we're banding the wagons, you know, we're circling those wagons around. This is us. And so it's really, really important for parents to explain that to their children, that it is okay to have difference of ideas, but it is not okay to hold secrets from their parents. It is not okay for the teacher to tell, or anybody, anybody to tell your child, don't tell your mom or dad. This is like, you know, child, child abuse 101 issue. I mean, we've, We've known this as pediatricians from the beginning. We tell the children all the time, you're not going to get in trouble. Please tell me if someone has ever hurt you. Yes, you know, I definitely. mean, this is just whenever we suspect there might be abuse, we ask the questions because you have to ask the hard questions. Parents, that is your duty. You need to ask your kids some hard questions. You need to pay attention to what's going on. These last two years have been devastating because the schools are hiding what they're teaching the children because it's all online. It's very hard to trace what they're exactly reading. We don't have any books in our district, which drives me crazy. So we have no idea what our kids are learning un unless we ask. And so we sit down with them and we find out, okay, it says on your test today, you know, in your class today online that you did X, Y, or Z unit. What was that about? Tell us about it. And so we have open communication. Our kids have absolutely no question as to where we stand. And Good. that's I like how it. every family should be. Absolutely. Now, and you're, you're making such a great point here, Dr. Farella, and I hope that my listeners are hearing that. The family unit, the all-time present family unit designed and created by God, that is a mother and a father supporting children, um, that is the ideal. It is God's best plan, and it works. And parents, if you want to protect your children under any and all circumstances, it starts in the home. And that's what Dr. Farella is saying. If you are at home and you're eating meals together, eating dinner together, spending time talking, sharing, and uh, imposing good values, 
good values based on a true standard. And that I call the Bible. Um, that's what made America great. And that is what is going to preserve our nation. And if we cannot preserve our own families, then I'm telling you, we cannot preserve our nation. And we've got a lot of problems that we're dealing with. And as we go forward, um, as we're fighting all of these multifaceted targets against our children, we need a strong army, and that army requires the recruitment of our children. Now, if I could, um, I want to shift gears just a little bit, Dr. Frella. What about the issue of infertility in children who have received those shots? How, how real do you think this is? And do you have any idea what the consequences may be? I mean, are there any hints of anything that you're seeing in your practice? Um, currently I'm not seeing too much. I do see menstrual irregularities and differences, but you know, that's not unusual for preteens and teens, um, early on in puberty. So, um, I'm not seeing that effect just yet. I think time is going to tell, you know, five to 10 years, we're going to see, um, it's, it's just such a sad state of affairs. I mean, why, again, we are messing with a perfect plan. Um, and, and that's just a very, um, sensitive subject again, um, but for, for me and my families in my practice, you know, I do the best that I can. I, I try to encourage them to protect themselves. I try to tell them, you know, take good care of yourselves, get outside, walk, um, get some sun, get on some vitamin D, get multivitamins in there, get some N-acetylcysteine to help protect against spike protein, just in case it's an issue, because we don't know. I mean, we don't know. We don't know. Right. So right now we have no idea what's going on, right. um, but time's yeah. going to tell. And it's what's what's the harm of prevention that we know that doesn't do any harm. So that's kind right. of where I stand on that. OK. And I kind of feel that way. I mean, we have some evidence uh, from pathologists, even Dr. Ryan Cole. I mean, he's put up slides and showed us the inflammation that is produced by spike protein. And of course, because of lipid nanoparticle technology, uh, the spike protein goes everywhere, but it seems okay. to have a high affinity for the gonads. And that's yes. concerning. And that's what I think, Dr. Farrelly, you're saying is that we really don't know what impact it's going to have. But it does concern me when I see the people that have funded this and have in fact stated that we are going to reduce the world population by giving a shot. And that yeah. is happening. So yeah, the future, future prognosis is um, questionable. I don't know where it will go, um, but uh, it's going to be something that will be answered. And uh, we're all eagerly awaiting to see how much damage has actually been done. Right. Um, are you currently seeing any improvement in the psychiatric and mood disorders among children in your practice, particularly since we're not masking anymore and because they are hopefully increasing social uh, socialization? Yeah. Well, you know, in Texas, we've been very forward with a lot of things, a lot of reversing of the trends that have happened over the last couple of years. So I think for us, um, you know, we still are seeing it. We're going to see some, some side effects and some issues with this for years to come. Um, this, there's a lot of, uh, what I call PTSD in our teenagers, uh, still to this day and, and still to, for our kids. I mean, the graduates of 2020, I, I just, my heart goes out to them, even though it's been two years, I still think that there's lasting effect, you know, not, not moving that milestone, you know, not graduating from high school or from college. And I'm, I'm going to, really target the high school kids, not graduating from high school is a huge milestone. It's almost like, a, you know, it's almost like a ceremony of celebration for you to go into adulthood. And yeah. Become so right of passage. 
Mm-hmm. And so children that didn't get a chance to graduate in 2020, I think we're going to see a lot of lasting um, effects all the way through the next couple of years. You know, those, I still say it in my practice, I do have a robust adolescent population through college. So I, I'm still seeing issues. I think it's getting a little bit better, but um, I'm still super concerned and I'm on alert um, because I know who these kids are. I know what's going on. And, and, you know, I, I never thought it was a good idea. I started talking out about this a long time ago. They need to graduate. They need to have their prom. They need to do this. They, you know, like I was on that bandwagon. Sure. Um, so, you know, cause it's, it's important. I mean, this is a developmental milestone that they'll never get back. Um, and it's just, it's devastating to me and it wasn't even my kid, you know, but, yes, but it's just, we don't want to repeat the same mistakes of the past. This is something if there's a silver lining, we really learned a lot in the last two years about how to do it wrong so that we hopefully can prevent doing it wrong in the future. Yes. I would imagine, you know, if we ever went through this again and they tried to lock us down, shut us down, put us in mass, isolate us socially in every way possible. I think this would be, so devastating to kids. I think suicides would be just utterly rampant and we can only hope and pray that this never happens again. And I personally will fight to make sure that never happens uh, to the full extent that I can in my own medical practice. Um, you know, to strengthen people in this regard, I actually personally never hesitate to speak even about spirituality and specifically Christianity, because uh, somehow doctors are led to believe that we're not supposed to share those kind of things with our patients, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I never bought into that, and I actually never hesitated to promote my faith. But there's a right and a wrong way to do this. And as physicians, we do have to be completely committed to treating all patients, regardless of race, creed, religious belief, social status, sexual orientation, even, and whatever else. I mean, our goal is to love our patients and to put them first. And we should never be judgmental and we must never close any therapeutic doors. And we can certainly do that spiritually. And we have to be aware of that. There is such a thing as spiritual abuse. And I dealt with a lot of that in my medical practice. But of course, in reality, um, doing this, sharing our faith or dealing with spiritual issues uh, can be hard to do. And with me having practiced both pain and addiction medicine, I saw a lot of patients who were actually judged, for example, because of an addiction problem or because they were taking a pain medication. So there's a lot of ways that we can implement bias and make patients actually feel that they are being judged Um, And we can see that uh, even from if they receive the wrong kind of look from a doctor. Would you mind sharing specifically your perspective on addressing spirituality in your medical practice? Well, I think I don't think it's a big. um, I try to tell people like, you know, in my if you practice what you preach, then it's you're you're going to be okay. You're going to stay in your lane. So in in pediatrics, it might be. um, I don't I don't prophesize or anything in my office, but, you know, I do, I do try to tell people, you know, that there, there's a reason why it's called the miracle of birth. Right. And so I really tell people that, you know, that all all the time that, you know, God has, has created such a wonderful thing known as the human body that we can repair things that have been broken. We can cure things with our, just having our mind in the right, you know, in the right set, you know, we have to get that right mindset. Um, so when I share with people, you know, just like 
you know, that I hope and pray that things will get better or, or things like that. It's just like passing a small little token and, and then they open up. Um, but you know, there's things that I say all the time. Like I have patients that I call the walking miracle, you know, and there's children that, are, that really should not be on this earth that are, and, and it's miraculous that they're still alive. And, and it's miraculous how they turned out. You know, when you look at a child who's had multiple strokes as an infant, when they were born, you know, shortly after they were born and they are walking and talking and holding um, up a job and driving on their own and doing things on their living on their own. That's miraculous. When you think, when you saw this child that you were like, oh, they're going to be dependent. Their parents are going to really have to take care of them for the rest of their lives. And it was just, it is a miracle that God has put the strength into those parents and the wisdom into those parents to raise that child to a point that has far exceeded their potential. You know, and I tell people this all the time. We don't know what your potential is. We have no idea. Only God knows our potential. And so I, I have, um, that's just kind of something I've said for the last 25 years. This is nothing new. That's why I love pediatrics is because there's potential there. We don't know from that tiny little baby, what that potential is going to be. So I always tell people, even kids that have, you know, some kind of, um, deformity or some kind of disability, I tell them all the time, I said, you have no idea how great this child will turn out. We have no idea of what their potential is. It is our job though, to nurture it to the best of our ability to exceed that potential in our own mind, because that's a lid on our own, um, thought process that has nothing to do with the baby. And it's important for us to, to lift that lid and make sure that we continue to nurture that child so that they can, they can succeed way beyond what we thought their potential was. Well, I love the message. That is really strong. It is very powerful. And yes, more than anything, what children need is loving support and encouragement to say, you know, God has made you uniquely an individual like nobody else. Go out and find your gift and maximize it. Use it for good. And that is so empowering for kids. So I'm so glad to hear that you are doing that. Well, uh, listen, you know, I often receive calls and emails from people and they are asking me oftentimes where they can go to find a, quote, good Uh, doctor or pediatrician, meaning one who doesn't recommend the COVID shots and all the other propaganda are, uh, I don't know if we're getting any closer to formulating a parallel medical group that is evidence-based. Is that a possibility in our future? Absolutely. I'm 100% convinced that's going to be something that comes to fruition in the next two to five years, for sure. It's happening now. The movement's been happening and we're, we're just going to keep plowing forward until we have to write this ship. You know, it, it is way too far about to tip over. We need to write this ship and, and get it going. And we're doing that. I mean, we have some very strong individuals across the country that feel very strongly. We need to restore the patient physician relationship. And the only way to do that is to like revamp what, what the medical um, community is like right now. And, and some of us want to stand out and move forward and do what's best to uphold our oath and what is best to restore the faith in medicine. Absolutely. Well, listen, we've covered a lot of ground today, Dr. Ferla, and I so greatly appreciate your knowledge and your insights. Um, how can people get a hold of you with questions or for any more information? Sure. Um, so we are across platforms as Angie Ferella, MD. 
So that's on Twitter and, you know, MeWe and things of that nature. Um, we are also, I have a Facebook page known as A Brighter Tomorrow Pediatrics. Um, that's where I do walk with a doc and doc in a box. So those are just topics of the day that I discuss there. Um, and then we also, you know, my office is ABT, like A Brighter Tomorrow, the number four kids.com. So you can always reach out to us there as well. That's awesome. Uh, Angie, I thank you so very much for joining me. You are obviously one of my heroes making an impact in this world. And I'm always, when I see your smiling face, I always look forward to seeing you again because you are doing a profound work and I encourage you to keep on doing that. So I thank you very much for joining me today. Oh, thank you, Steve. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Well, you know, my wife and I were in a restaurant just a few days ago and a three-year-old girl from the booth sitting behind me happily started a conversation with me, telling me her age, her name, and that she was a scientist. My heart just warmed up instantly because she was so cute and her parents were happily entertained as I entered her world in pleasant conversation. I readily saw that she had good parents and it truly made my heart sing. Children are precious. The Bible tells us, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. That's Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5. You see, our children are the future. They are our future. And if we raise them properly, then we will they will be to us an incredible blessing. Let's please do all that we can to protect them. And parents, teach your children the ways of righteousness. Don't give in to the lies and deception, and don't take your eyes off of your children wherever they are for a moment in this evil generation. There is too many uh, there are too many ways that they are being assaulted. Our children are the ones who will take up the freedom banner one day if they are properly equipped. And that is your job as a parent. You've been listening to Dr. Steve LaTulip on Unity Without Compromise with my guest, Dr. Angie Farella. I hope and pray that you will live with purpose this week and do have a great week. Adieu.